Hi, welcome to another episode of the Wilkin and Gutton Plan podcast. Today is February 20th, 2023. Today we're going to be talking about the 65-day rule, which applies to certain uh, states and certain trusts. I'm Chris Frederick, a partner with the firm, and joining me today are two of my partners, Brian Geisler and Maureen Jasper. Uh, th- these are the two of the leaders within our firm's estate and trust group. Uh, Brian and Maureen, really thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Chris. So, you know, I think maybe let's just jump right into it. Let's start with something simple. What is the 65-day rule? What type of entities and returns does this even apply to? So the 65-day rule is an election trusts or states can make under uh, Code Section 663B to consider amount to be properly paid or credited before uh, the 65 days after year end and to be considered as paid as of the last day of the preceding tax year. And the returns it benefits are um, trust returns, complex trusts, and estates. I get it, right? It, it applies to uh, trust and estate returns. What's the benefit? Why, why would a trust or an estate want to even make such an election? So, so generally speaking, um, to put it in English, you know, any, any amounts distributed to a beneficiary before the 65 days are up will be considered paid in the prior year. So what that means is you could potentially remove taxable income on the fiduciary level and move that to the beneficiary's return um, via a distribution deduction. And that amount would be taxed to the beneficiary, presumably at lower tax rates than it would be on the fiduciary level. For, so for states of trust... Making the distributions for beneficiaries in most circumstances would cause the income from the fiduciary return, the Form 1041, to follow out the distributions to the beneficiaries on a K-1 on an informational form like a W-2 for wages, reflecting taxable income items to be reported on the beneficiary's personal tax return. This is done by distribution deduction on the uh, fiduciary return, the Form 1041, uh, reduction of income, and that amount is removed and then would be taxable to the beneficiary on their personal returns. So I, I get it, right? A trust has income. If they distribute that income, it's not taxed at the trust level. It becomes taxed on the uh, individual's or the recipient's return. Correct. But how does that save tax? It sounds like we're just moving tax from one, from one bucket to another. So great, great question, Chris, as usual. So fiduciary tax rates um, reach the maximum 37% rate at a level of 14,000, approximately 14,000 of income. Um, Conversely, married individuals reach that level of um, uh, that tax bracket at almost $650,000 of income. So trusts and estates reach that highest tax rate at a much lower level of income. So it's more beneficial to move the income from the trust or estate down to the beneficiary, assuming they're at the the lower level of the tax bracket. Right. We're talking about ordinary income, ordinary rates. So, you know, I I think that that totally makes sense, right? I mean, you know, thinking about my personal taxes, you know, certainly – um, if 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 we were if I was taxed at the highest rate after fourteen thousand dollars of taxable income, I could see how that find a way to move it. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. <laughs> there's there's got to be a better way. Right, right. So so you know, I think I think maybe can we maybe talk through an example? Can we put some high level numbers behind this to to see what that tax savings might look like? So so let's just talk about it. Let's just give an example first. So you have a trust. So mom sets up a trust for her son. She puts let's say three million dollars into the trust. The trust doesn't require income to be distributed, but it can be distributed to, to the son. Um, the trust invests the $3 million into um, a brokerage account. The brokerage account invests in stocks and bonds and treasury bills and, and whatnot. So during the year, you know, on the month, month, month by month, it has the, the brokerage account 
um, earns dividends and interest again. And at the end of the year, we go to do a tax return. It's now, you know, January, February, March of the next year. We get the 1099 from the uh, brokerage firm, and we realize that there's, you know, $100,000 of ordinary income to be filed on this fiduciary tax return. If we were to take that $100,000, put on the Form 1041, the trust, as we just discussed, would be taxed. Once you get over $14,000, we'd be taxed at 37%, assuming they're not qualified dividends or um, you know, lower tax rate yep. items, ordinary items. They'd be taxed at uh, 37%, anything over the $14,000. So you're talking $86,000 of income at being the taxed highest rate. at the highest rate. So, so, so what could you do? So... Again, we're back to the 65-day rule. So what we would suggest to the client, or the trustee rather, is to make that distribution of income to the beneficiary prior to the 65 days in order to get that deduction. So on the 1041, you would get a deduction for that income, and the income passes out on, as Brian said, on the K-1 to the beneficiary. Um, The key here is to actually make sure that cash goes out. Um, and in addition to that, when the tax preparer files the return, there's, um, a certain box to check on the return to make that election. So it's also key to make sure you're telling the IRS that, Hey, I did this cash went out, distribution is taken income to beneficiary, favorable tax rates for everybody. And and everybody's happy. Right. And, and, and a normal trust, you know, there are distributions made during the year to the beneficiary. So that would carry out certain items of income, but uh, come to pass at the end of the year when you realize there's actually more income than you were expecting and the tax hits high and maybe you didn't pay enough estimates in or, or various reasons, um, you would consider this 65-day election, make additional distributions to the beneficiary, therefore move the tax liability from the Form 1041 to the individual, the beneficiary on their personal tax returns. That makes a ton of sense, I think, what you're saying. And I, you know, I think what I'm what I'm hearing is, to your point, Brian, right, These 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 trusts are getting, say, unqualified distributions all throughout the year. Maybe they're making small distributions and they're, they expect to, to not have any real tax obligation. What do you know? Lo and behold, there's a huge distribution in the final quarter of the year that, that maybe wasn't planned for. And so you're waiting until you get that 1099. What happens if that 1099 doesn't come until, you know, you get the revised 1099 or a, a, a K-1 if it's a publicly traded partnership or something, and you don't get that until the middle of March? Can Is there any... Is there any out to kind of go back or is 65 days a pretty hard line? Well, I guess key to that is, you know, look at your December statements in January to try and avoid that situation, which is what we normally try to do with our clients. But um, to, to say it nicely, um, no, you can't fix that after the so 65 days. So the 65 <laughs> days is 65 days. It's yeah. not, you know. So, so, so I, I, guess, I guess that's the grace period though, right? Because like yeah. in a perfect world, you would do that all by December 31st. And so the, so the IRS or whoever, right, is, is nice enough to give you that small grace period. Right. Correct. And even in year, leap year, uh, the 65-day rule still applies. So it's 65 days, so it actually uh, moves a day earlier. So it would be March, I think, 5th, correct? Mm-hmm. I think it's March 5th and you, you leap year. On a normal year, it's March. For a calendar year. So, so is 65 days, is, is everybody's year like at December? Or like what is, you know, does, it's like this year. Does everybody... Is everybody 65 days March the 6th? Or like what situations might it not be March the 6th? The only situation it wouldn't be March 6th this year is if it's an estate and it's a fiscal year estate. You still have a 65-day window. Okay, so it's 65 days from the end of whatever your fiscal year. So if you have an estate, right, that that could have really any fiscal year. Is that right? Uh, an estate can have a, a fiscal year, correct. But generally, 
complex trusts have to stick to a calendar year. Okay. And so 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 who can take advantage? Say say I have a simple trust. Can my simple trust take advantage of the 65-day rule or or you know who who exactly are we? So so, so so when you say simple trust, simple trusts have different rules. They have to distribute income. So this rule doesn't apply to them. Okay. Um so we're talking, you know, what's called a complex trust who you know, complex trusts aren't required to distribute income. So that's why sometimes the trustees may not think about it during the year. And the 65-day rule gets them that window of like, oh, shoot, I forgot to distribute money to the beneficiary. Does it make sense for me to do that? And it may not make sense all the time. You may not want the money in the hands of the beneficiary, depending on the situation. Correct. And also, you know, they may make a distribution based on December 31st numbers, but they might make it at year end, not not knowing. You guys are the trust experts, right? I'm Far from it. I'm not even a tax expert, right? I'm far from it. We keep you away from taxes. Yeah, which is all better for everybody. <laughs> better for all. <laughs> so, so with that, you know, I think of like C corps, right? C corps, hey, are subject to double tax. Are trusts subject to double tax, or or once the estate pays it, maybe at the way higher inflated rate, if that gets distributed next year, that's kind of already been taxed, and you pay it at at, at one level, or is there is there two levels of tax with trusts? Well, for trust, the distribution. The income will fall out the distribution in most most instances. So, if you have a hundred thousand dollars of income in a trust and it's cash, or let's, let's say it's just a, it's a interest from a T bill, that hundred thousand dollars. If you make a hundred thousand dollar distribution, the distribution, the income, the hundred thousand dollars of income will fall out the distribution. I see. So, so, so if, if, if you're I, distributing income, right? So if my if the income was only fifty thousand and we distribute a hundred thousand, the only thing that can follow out is the fifty thousand of income. I see. So it's more like you know, again, not being a tax expert, it's more like a partnership, right? Where where the income is kind of taxed as it's earned. I understand that it's taxed and paid by the the the, the trust if you don't if you don't distribute it. But but once once somebody pays tax on it, if it's distributed in a subsequent year, there's no second layer of tax. Well, it's hard to say that way because trusts have corpus. You could distribute corpus in a following, but that also will carry out income. All right, so that, that's a topic for another day. The answer, answer is always it depends. All right, so that's a topic <laughs> for another day. So, so thinking of the 65-day rule, right, where, where – and I mean, with you know, today's the end of February, so for our calendar year, our calendar year folks, that 65-day rule is really coming up. You know, and, and so, so we're really talking about getting a bite of the apple while, while we still can. Which is coming up very quickly, yes. So Probably about two weeks. We from need to look at our what distributions were made distributions were made last year and what the income potentially could be for this year. For sure, and I think you know Brian, uh, Maureen, I think as we talk through the the example, something as simple as a hundred thousand dollars, understanding that how quickly that trust gets to that top rate, it really sounds like that sixty five day rule is an important cutoff with some pretty significant tax implications. Any final thoughts before we go? No, I think just, you know, it's important to look at your December statements in in January and assess whether or not it makes sense to distribute the money and contact your WG tax advisor if you have questions. Right. And as Maureen said before, it's not necessarily just tax savings in these trusts and estates. It's who should have the money, should the beneficiary have the money, and it's really up to the fiduciary to determine that. Um, But yeah, it's it's beneficial if we can use it. That's great. You know, I I will have to say, before we started planning for this podcast, I knew nothing about the 65-day rule, so I certainly learned quite a bit um, you know, th- through this conversation with you guys. And so I certainly thank you both for joining. Until next time, this is Chris Frederick of the Wilkin Gutton Plan Podcast, helping you make sense of the numbers.